0: in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plantstock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there.
1: So that's what we do with Wicked is we really push the what how exciting the food is that we're doing and how amazing it is, and how you don't need animal products. And like It's slow, you know, you just grow on that path and it's slowly like, as soon as you start swapping out meat for a plant strong dish once a week, it soon grows to twice a week, three times a week, pretty soon over a course of a couple of years for me, it was like, why do I have any animal products at all in my diet?
0: Season three of the plant strong podcast explores those Galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me. So grab your telescope, point it towards your future and let's get plant strong together. You know, it at the very, very start of today's podcast, I want to stop for a second and just thank each and every one of you for being a part of the Plan Strong podcast family. It means, it means a ton to me that you guys are listening to this podcast and that it's, um, and it's hopefully helping you live your best Plan Strong life. I want you to know that we read all of your emails, feedback, and requests for people to have on the show. We know you love our Plant Strong healthcare heroes. And I also know that you are inspired by the stories of people like yourselves who have turned their health around with the power of a whole food, Plant Strong lifestyle. Another request that we hear all the time is help me learn how to cook. I have no idea where to begin in the kitchen. So, I know that it can seem overwhelming, but we got help. Help is here. It's on the way. I have longtime pal and chef Derek Sarnow here today on the podcast. Derek's brother Chad was on season one of the podcast, and just to give you a little history, we all worked together at Whole Foods Market. We were on the healthy eating team for about three or four years together, and. I can tell you, having worked with these two brothers like side by side, it is hard to match the passion of these two guys, especially in the kitchen. Their company, called Wicked Healthy Foods, it's bringing the plant strong heat to the world in a major way. As they like to say, it's 80% healthy, 20% wicked, and 100% sexist. It was compassion, though, that brought Derek to a completely vegan lifestyle when he suffered an unthinkable tragedy, the loss of his fiance. That moment changed the course of his life, his career, and ultimately his purpose. He started from the bottom up, and I know that's maybe where some of you may find yourselves right now. Today, we're here to help you turn it around become a wicked good cook, and bring out the flavor in your foods. Derek and I uh, talk about getting organized in the kitchen, the proper mindset around cooking, kitchen tools that are a must, little spoiler alert here, you'll definitely want a cast iron pan after today's episode, spices, veggie prep, sauces, gravies, and it wouldn't be a, a conversation with Derek if we weren't talking shrooms, I'm talking mushrooms. He is the leader of the mushroom mafia in a big, big way. So get your pen and paper ready or visit the show notes of this episode for a detailed recap. So with that, let's have some wicked good fun with chef and friend, Derek Sarno. I'd love for people to just know a little bit about who is Derek, right? Because yeah. I I got to know Derek, and I came to love Derek. And uh, you know, you're you're an amazing guy. You're a special human being, and you've had an um, you've had a very unique journey uh, that's that's gotten you to where you are today. And the extent at which you're, you know, you'd like to talk about it, I'd love to know. Like, let's start with this: why Like, why did you fall in love with cooking? Like, how did that start? Yeah, with cooking. Uh, Cooking
1: was just like, it's, cooking to me is just a natural thing for me. I, You know, when I was, even in high school, I've always worked in restaurants, even grown, like every job I've done is probably everything in a restaurant. Mind you, I'm not good in front of the house. I was (laughs) fired from waitering and like anything customer facing, I'm probably not the best because I'm pretty, uh... I don't know, I guess opinionated or strong-willed on what I believe should be uh, for food that we're serving. So, I mean, I've just loved cooking, Rip. And one of the things with the restaurant is I feel like I'm very OCD and very uh, ADD, like I'm all over the place sometimes, jumping from thought to thought. And being in a restaurant really helps me, Mm. allows me to use all these different avenues because there's so much going on at one time. you know. So I fit really well into that Kind of scenario mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. but is it something that like did your mother or father introduce you yeah. to cooking, or
1: yeah okay. yeah my so my mom did a lot of cooking. My grandmother was really the one who we looked up to and was always cooking every time we went over to the house. she was always making pasta and meatballs and sauce and mm-hmm. just the, the typical Italian um, amazing food that my grandmother would always have. And she was a real big influence on me because we were really close by her when we were growing up, Chad and I. So mm-hmm. I was always very lucky that she would be having me in the kitchen helping her a lot. You know, when Chad was younger, Chad's six years young, my younger. So I was the one always helping, you know, Nana cook all the food while yeah. Chad
0: was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it's funny to me that both you and Chad have – you know, made, made, made cooking and being chefs, your careers, in all honesty, did, did Chad like want to be like his older brother, Derek? And is that why he went into the, the cooking biz? You think? I
1: don't don't know. I can't speak from that way, but because we went, we took so different, such different paths. Uh, and he was, you know, if I'm six years, so I was out of high school before he was even in high school. Yeah. So, and me, I mean, me, it was more of like a, it was the only thing I knew how to do, <laughs> and I wasn't a very good classroom learner. I didn't look, you know. I went to to university for a short time, but it was it wasn't very good. I learned much better with like a mentor.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: every chef that I would work with was more of my mentor. But as far as you know, Chad, he he's been vegan for as long as I know, and yeah. I was not. You know, I have not. I've only been I've been vegan for a good five years solid now. Um, and then the time I knew you and. Yeah. yeah, we worked together. I wasn't vegan because I was the global chef of Whole Foods, so right. I had to work with all of this stuff. And I was also the guy doing the the small amount of meat in the condiments of "Hell Starts Here," you know. So,
0: yeah. Well, you know. So I I was looking through your Instagram post, and you had one maybe two or three weeks ago where you said that I'm sorry I didn't have the balls to go vegan sooner. Is that just because you just didn't have the awareness, or what do you think it was that?
1: Yeah, a lot of it, you know, I, I think a lot of it was spite, like looking at my mind and how it works and how I see things, you know, I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. and I don't think, I don't think people like being told what to do. So it's like, as a vegan, I want people to stop killing animals, you know, but it's very, and that my natural instinct is to go stop killing animals, <laughs> you know, just stop it. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? But that doesn't work for every. it doesn't work for, yeah. for me if somebody tells me that. So it's really like, how, what's the best method? So that's what we do with Wicked. Is we really push the what? How exciting the food is that we're doing, and how amazing it is, and how you don't need animal products. And like, it's slow. You know, it's, you just grow on that path, and it's slow. Like as soon as you start swapping out meat for a plant strong dish once a week. It soon grows to twice a week, three times a week. Pretty soon, over a course of a couple of years, for me, it was like, "Why do I have any animal products at all in my
0: diet?" Well, but know, knowing your knowing your journey, uh, like I do, um, there was a point where you went to a monastery, and did that influence your thinking around kind of compassion and suffering and and all that? Yeah, that, I mean, that was huge. So, if you want to touch base on on that
1: story, well. <laughs> so
0: you- well, yeah, I, only I only only if you want to, but yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It was it's really like, uh, it's really what changed my entire life. So, so I used to own a few different restaurants, and I had started my own farm. So I owned two different restaurants at one point, and they lasted like seven years. One was called Mahalo's, another one was called the One Hundred Club. And I had sold those, started a farm because I had they had. I had to sign a non-compete, so I couldn't do the same kind of business in the same vicinity and I didn't want to move away. So this was in uh, it was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire and like the surrounding
0: area. So I, Can ended I stop up- you for a sec. How hard was it owning I mean two different restaurants. restaurants?
1: Just yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who I just worked all the time. You know, <laughs> it was my life is my career. It's my career is my life. I don't I yeah. don't see much difference in it. If if you know what I mean, some people can just shut it off. I just, I don't shut it off ever.
0: Yeah. But I, but you know, you hear, just hear all these horror stories about restaurants and just how they, you know, what is it? 90% of them don't make it. And they're just like, you know, money pits. And I mean, were you able to make it work from that standpoint? Yeah. I mean, I sold them all successfully sold them. None none of them went out of
1: business, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, and plus I always believe that you have to be the highest paid person in your own business. Mm. So as the chef, I wasn't the guy who was not, you know, I was the chef. So that controlled all the food and I knew exactly what to do. So even if I did hire a chef to replace me on that spot, when I did other things, nobody could ever leave and hold me by the, by the mm-hmm. ball. You know what I mean? If sorry to say that it's just yeah. like nobody could ever hold me over the coals because I was always able to step into any position at all in the whole place. Yeah. So that's how I always thought of it. Cause then. I controlled it, even if I did it all by myself, which I, that's how it started. And then I hired another guy and another guy and another guy. And soon mm-hmm. I had, you know, 12 people working for me in a restaurant and then another 30 people on call because of all the catering stuff that we had.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so you sold the two restaurants and now you got this farm because yeah, you had I the peak Plus. Yeah. And that's when I met. Uh, I ended up meeting Amanda
1: towards the end of that farm days. And then so Amanda was um, my fiancé she ended up being my fiance. and we were together for for 3 years and so she helped me decide uh, I went from a farm and ended up opening another restaurant and I couldn't figure out how to do the farm and restaurant at the same time so I ended up giving up the farm leaving that and just doing the restaurant and then yeah that was instantly successful cuz I just had everything from before just all the clientele just came right to there. We were right yeah. next to an Air Force base. So Pease Air Force Base in New Hampshire. And that went corporate. So I had all the flights, the jets. So I was learning. It's funny because if I look at my way I am now, all mm-hmm. the experience built up to what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. So I yeah. had a, I opened up a prepared food store in a deli. So we had like all sandwiches we were making. I was making meals to go. We were delivering the dinners. Um, we had one of the first online... Uh, ordering system so you could we post the menu every week and you would order it online and either come pick it up or we would deliver it to you and this was back in the early 2000s you know so it was not yeah it wasn't as prevalent as today there you know you can call Deliveroo or anybody. yeah everybody's delivering but back then it wasn't so um, and so from there I was working 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 and Amanda was so amazing she was She was, uh, taking care of horses and that's what she did for work. So in the morning she would do that. And then she would come and work for me and just be to, just to be around me. So Mm -hmm. that was always working and you know, there's a, there's a lot more to the story, but what happened one day is she was killed in a car accident, um, driving like to work in the morning. And she was killed by a a young boy who was driving the opposite way on a bridge, ended up hitting her head on, Mm. And, you know, she died shortly after that. To that point in my life, I was so, so ego driven, if that makes sense. Like I was very focused on being really successful. I wanted you to eat my food. I didn't care what I put into it. You know, I wanted it to be delicious, you know, but I was all about sugar, salt and fat. Like everything that, you know. I just wanted to make the most decadent, indulgent, delicious food possible with animal products and anything else in it. I didn't think about that stuff. I didn't think about sustainability. You know, I was making chowders with two, three pounds of butter and four or five quarts of milk. And like, you know, it's just like, it's hard to believe that. And then, you know, you add the bacon into that and it's just like, of course, it's just fat, <laughs> you know, yeah, and it tasted good, but. Anyways, th- this when when that happened, and I had all this business. I had everything I I wanted at that point. And when Amanda was when Amanda passed, I really had to look at myself because it was so devastating. I was so devastated. You know, we were going to be married shortly, a few months later, and everything had just stopped, and I couldn't work anymore. So what happened was I. I ended up having one of my clients was uh, Dan Brown. He wrote the Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons. Amazing guy, him and his wife, Blythe, just amazing. And they had known Amanda because she had come and done a couple of parties with me with, uh, of theirs. Yeah. And they had given me a card uh, and just said, look, Derek, we know you're in pain. You should, here's this address of this Tibetan Buddhist monastery in upstate New York. You should go and just mm-hmm. take a weekend. And so this was exactly, roughly uh, 28 to 30 days after Amanda had passed. And so that I know. What year is this? What year is this? This was 2007. Okay. Uh, And Amanda was uh, killed on July 12th. So I always mark that one day. I'm always talking about it on that one day a year, at least now. And so that, you know, we're looking at 15 years this year coming up. Mm. And I ended up going to the monastery. And then I just ended up coming back, talking to my son. So I have my son, Jake, who's 22, who you've met him. Yeah. You know, he's a big, kid, good kid living in LA now. And he, uh, from a different mom, and he, I had to get his permission and, and his mom's permission. And I ended up moving to the monastery and just selling the restaurant and pretty much selling everything and just moving to the monastery for the next three years. Wow. That was where I started to cook. And I really started studying the Dharma and studying all about Buddha. Um, and just, you know, aside from all that, the, it's about compassion and that's what I really started learning more and more about. And then also paired with like, it was a vegan vegetarian kitchen. So as I started to cook again, I was only cooking that way. And that's where I really dove into the greens, beans, and grains and like, Mm how to be exciting. You know, mind you, I was very like grief stricken. I mean, I was not in a great spot uh, mentally. I was just very sad. (laughs) I was very sad. Yeah. Yeah. and to cook through that, I wrote about this whole experience, you know, and to cook through it really helped me. But I also like, I started from the bottom up again. Like, I just feel like I went to the lowest place I could possibly go. I didn't want to live or live back then rip, mm-hmm. you know, after Amanda died, I, I didn't see a reason other than my son and I knew people loved me and, but it was really difficult. So Everything I always held on to was my skills. And then when I thought like, oh, they don't matter anymore, it changed everything. But by going to the monastery and learning everything and really sitting and meditating was, you know, I've done almost six 30 days silent retreats. And being silent, you really experience how loud your mind is and how Mm. your thoughts, you know, how you think. And I really needed to understand my mind and how I work, how it works. And that really put me on the path to being a better cook, a much more meaningful chef. Like it went way past my selfish needs of just wanting to like be the best and make money and you to like it. It went more toward it expanded out so much more to, you know, thinking like every single thing suffers. And I suffered so much, it felt so much pain mm-hmm. that I could not look at another animal and not know that they suffer as well. And so that really is why I'm vegan now. Why that whole journey, even through Whole Foods, I talked about it through Whole Foods. You know, that's how we met. I used to do the talks. Uh, at our, at, yeah, our immersion program. Yeah, exactly. And all of them. I mean, I've catered 61 events. I counted them, 61 events in six oh, years.
0: Oh, poor you.
1: <laughs> Ranging from 30 to 1,200 people doing all the, uh, the Whole Foods Market ones as well. You know, the, I can't even remember what they're called, tribal gathering. Right, you know, right. Stuff, you know. But having to do those talks that really helped me solidify what I'm doing now. You know, and really that... And the job, you know, at Whole Foods, you know, going to, like, slaughterhouses and chicken factories and then visiting all the suppliers and helping them create, you know, healthier, more veg-driven dishes, working with you, working with our team. You know, our team was amazing. Um, But, yeah, that's how it solidified what I'm doing now. It's all about – for me, it's not about veganism. It's not about anything else other than compassion. How can you have – How can you live a compassionate life and work? Like, so with my skill set? that's all I do with it. It's all about compassion.
0: How often are you, are you finding yourself going back to the monastery every once in a while, just to kind of level set?
1: Uh, Yes. I would try to go back at least once or twice a year. If I can, this past year I've been locked down. So it hasn't, (laughs) I haven't been able to, but you know, even for the silent retreats, I would try to go for at least half of them every year if I could, um, but I do long to go back. I mean, I, the only thing I moved here with yeah. my Tibetan stuff uh, to remind me and to practice with and two suitcases. So, and I'm in London. So if you guys didn't know that.
0: Right, right, right. Well, before you left Whole Foods, you and Chad were kind of getting into this wicked healthy brand that you guys started. And it's it's absolutely brilliant. And, and uh, you know, it's 80% healthy, 20, 20%, 20% wicked and hundred <laughs> percent, but how did you guys come up with that? I mean, it's just, it's so brilliant. Oh, thanks. Um,
1: it's funny. Cause I've, you know, and Chad, I'll tell you, I, I came up with the whole wicked idea and Chad was like, eh, I don't know about it. And, I, and I'm like, dude, come on. I'm going to do it. He was like, I'll only do it if it's hundred percent plant-based and vegan. And I'm like, all right, done. And that's how we really started doing it. But we had been talking about this whole thing. Like, what are we going to do together? What are we going to do together, you know? Uh, and then we happened to work together, sort of kind of at Whole Foods. We were on the same team. We both did different things. Um, but we did get to spend a lot more time together. And so the, that's how Wicked was born. And also knowing, like, you what you teach, you know, the, with the no sugar, no salt, no yep. you know, low, low oil, no oil, all that I love that diet, right? I think it's the best and most healthiest diet, bar none. I think it's perfect for people who really need to stop that, right? Because I did it. So in order for me to actually learn how and be really good at that, I had to do it. Yeah. I through it. So I remember taking six months and being, all right, I'm going to be so hardcore <laughs> and do it. And that's how... I even got to be the healthy eating chef, you know, to, to teach all the prepared foods guys and to work with you, even. Um, so I learned how to do that, but it's it's very difficult to put it into a product.
0: Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very
1: difficult to get it in, on shelf. And for shelf life reasons, for, the, you know, there's so many reasons. There are some easy things that you can do, you know, and I know you have some amazing products over there. I can see them. I remember working on some of them with you. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> right but it's not as e- it's not as easy and people want easy mm-hmm. and so the easiest thing is for people to cook themselves and take control of your own you know whatever you're doing in the kitchen you can do that it's just timing and this and that anyways long story well, short yeah yeah no wicked, go ahead wicked was born from that extreme to the other extreme and it's to fall in the middle
0: uh and and I mean- wicked healthy you know you you how long after you left whole foods did you go over and become the like chief director and innovative guy at tesco yeah so so the
1: day i left whole foods i think it was around in february uh it was five years ago so i don't even remember the year 2016 i think right so the day after i went vegan I left. I, you know, my resignation was over. I I went vegan the next day. I I planned to take the whole year off, which I kind of did. Um, and I
0: taught. We wrote the
1: Wicked Healthy Cookbook.
0: It's one of the most gorgeous cookbooks uh, I've ever seen. Who in the world did all the photography? Yeah, Eva Kosmas did our photography,
1: and that's who I learned uh, how to take pictures because I think God. she's amazing. I mean, no. she is. Yeah, she's just a really amazing and unique. And she lived up in Portland, Oregon, where I did. At the time. And that's where we shot the book. When I went vegan the next day, I'm like, all right, if I'm going to be vegan, I need to make it so I'm going to eat it. Because I can't just I'm not I can't be a hypocrite and do something and, you know, tell people to do another thing. I need to do what I say. So I just started really experimenting with mushrooms. That that year after Whole Foods is when I really dug into mushrooms. I learned how to do photography. We wrote the cookbook. I raised two squirrels in the house, right, Mildred <laughs> and Hank, who, you might, who you've probably seen on the, on the gram um, back then. And then Tesco had called, uh, probably midway, and I did another thirty day silent retreat all in that year. Mm, mm. And uh, I think two thousand seventeen was when I moved to London. Uh, And started working with Tesco. And that was such a unique experience where, you know, they wanted me to come and just be a a developer of food and some new innovative ideas. Um, And I just, uh, the CEO team here, the team is amazing. Like, yes, I really do respect and like them a lot. So uh, they were just like, look, what do you think you could do then? You know, and I'm like, look, I can do everything, but with no animals. And I'll tell you right now, just from my experience, I know what's coming down the pike because all this plant-based stuff was—we were working on it, right—and it was very under the—it yeah. it was under the radar as far as I was concerned, you know, because people were like, "What? What? You know, vegan is still, eh, what? What? Plant-based was just a new thing." I think you made up the word.
0: <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Well, actually, actually, I I can't take credit. It was was actually, I think, it was Colin Campbell. I obviously came up with Plant Strong, and you are like Plant Strong. What did you say? Plant Strong, Super Strong, or Plant Strong? Plant Strong. 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 Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Plant Strong, Wicked Strong. (laughs) Right, right. But um, uh, anyway, I interrupted you. Go, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, So, So,
1: yeah. So when they, so when Tesco called, they they had me come over here to the UK and just look at what the market was. And there's no, there's no vegan items on them. There was nothing in stores, any retailer in the UK, other than a falafel wrap that you could eat. So as a vegan to go into a store, you had to cook for yourself. So if you're traveling, like, what are you going to do? You're just going to eat falafel the whole time or bread or salad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just not a way to live. So. We put this, I put this proposal together and just said, look, we could hit this marker, this marker, but I want you to lead. I want to make Tesco the best vegan retailer there is. Uh, And that's what we're doing now. Now we have, you know, it's been five, almost five years I've been here,
0: four years and some change. Well, you've single, I mean, I think I read something where you and what you've done with the, is it, is it the Wicked, is it Wicked Kitchen? yeah With, wicked kitchen in the, UK. the wicked kitchen and your other kind of vegan offerings have like single-handedly turned the whole ship around i mean it's nutty it's amazing thanks it it
1: it's amazing what's happened and what it's done it's created this huge competition yeah now every retailer is doing it to compete and i'm thrilled yeah. you know it's like yeah all right cool we were first to market amazing uh but we really push everybody else to, to put it on shelves. And that's just growing the movement. And it's it's less animals. For me, it's all about less animals being killed. Yeah. You know, don't we don't need factory farming. We don't need this. I don't expect everybody to go vegan overnight. I don't expect the whole world to go vegan all ever, you know. But I do want and pray that it really does minimize the suffering. Like that's the one thing we can go for. You know, I'd love to say the whole world would all be amazing and yeah. we'll live with Unicorns and rainbows all the time, but that's just not realistic. So I I'll settle for look, let's stop factory farming and let's really make the switch. Let's make the switch from right now it's meat and, and veganism. Let's just
0: make a switch. So it's the other way around. Absolutely. You know, we were able to successfully eradicate smoking of cigarettes here yeah. in the United States. And what that means is it doesn't mean that people aren't smoking, but it used to be over 50% of America was smoking cigarettes back in the 50s and 60s now it's less than 20%. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could eradicate
1: yes
0: people eating meat and or animals and animal byproducts in the, in over the next decade, right? So it's less than 20% of America is eating animal products. That would be awesome. That'd right? Be or the or the world.
1: Yeah. And it's I mean looking back at it now it seems like it happened overnight. All of a sudden you were smoking in pubs and then you weren't. Yeah, you know, no, true. Yeah, know, Can you believe they used to smoke on airplanes?
0: No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. No, no. There's so many things that used to happen. We'll be back with Derek in just a second. But first, I want to share a couple quick updates with you. I want to read an email I received recently from one of our Meal Planner members. Her name is Diane, and in it she wrote, This planner has changed everything for my family. They are simple recipes, simple choices, and simple decision-making with fruitful outcomes. The recipes are seasoned perfectly, which prevents me from being sidelined by having something taste bad. I'm a food addict. Salt, sugar, and fat have my number, and cooking has always been a challenge. It never tasted right, and so I would get frustrated and blow it. But now that I have this tool, I know that that excuse has been banished forever. In just two days, we have used six of the recipes and every one of them has been amazing. And get this, my husband asked for the first meal again for dinner tonight. You know you have a winner when that happens. So thank you for making this experience simply different from all the rest. It's because of messages like this that we built the Plant Strong Meal Planner, and it's success like this that keeps us going. Adding new recipes, updating features, helping save you time, and it's why we offer our free 14-day trial. I want each of you to find new meals that work for your household, just like Diane did, on the very first day. So visit mealplanner.plantstrong.com, and then enter the code STARTFRESH, to redeem your free two-week trial. Yes, you have to enter a credit card to redeem, but you can cancel any time during the trial period. And secondly, I wanna take a moment to say thank you. I've gotten so many really beautiful messages from people who listened to the first episode of the Snackables podcast. It's our new bite-sized Plant Strong podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This new show is a fun compliment to our long form series and my hope is that it will ignite fun adventures in your kitchens. We'll be sure to share these bonus episodes every couple of weeks and as always thank you for sharing, subscribing and writing reviews. I read every single one of them. Let's let, let's get into so um and the thing about your the name, the wicked healthy how perfect is that as a brand to go into the UK where you know you've got Harry Potter and wicked is such a british <laughs> yeah. term. Wick I mean it's brilliant
1: it's yeah wicked is big in New England that's where we grew up right so near yeah. ba- Boston area but over here it's huge too which
0: Yeah, is, everybody says wicked all the time so and then yeah, you've got the little, you got the little horns don't you coming don't out of yeah I don't have it on this just yeah. another one yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah. a it's just a it's a, it's a really the branding on that is just so spectacular. Thanks, man. For our listeners, I'd love to dive into some of your ideas on what they can do to be better cooks themselves. Yeah, sure, and, sure. And, and you, more than anybody, understand kind of the, the plant strong way as far as, you know, we we don't use any added oils. We minimize the salt and stuff like that. So we're really looking for ways to bring up the flavor. Yeah. And you guys talk about that extensively yeah. in the Wicked Healthy Cookbook. We don't have um, so, a menu
1: in there. I think we have a no oil menu in the in the book.
0: So, yeah, because you know, yeah. because
1: we didn't do all no oil stuff, but we did yeah. do a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like, what what what's the mindset that you can give people uh, if they want to become a really good cook? If you want to become a really good cook, you
1: know, the best thing for for me is is hunger, <laughs> hunger, hunger, <laughs> hunger is the best motivation. So for me. I mean, I can only speak from my experience of how I cook and I like to walk around, which is very difficult these days to, cause it's lockdown. but I do like to see food in front of me. So one thing I do in my kitchen is I try to have as much stuff as I can on the counters, like dried beans and grains and, mm. and all that in glass jars. So, I'll, you know, even if it's in the cabinet, but I have them there cause I always see them Yeah, and then I'm more likely to cook them if I see them. Right. So I'm up like, Once a week, I try to cook uh, dried a bean from scratch from dry instead of canned because I do use I use both. It depends. I'm very busy, Mm -hmm. but I do try to dedicate some time to cook um, dry beans. Obviously, rice. Whereas there's so many convenient options, you can buy rice and microwave it now. You know, you can buy beans and from in a can or frozen, whatever. And those are all great, but I really do try if you know how to do like your basic dry beans, soak them overnight, cook them out. You really understand the, the bean, if if you will, or how long it takes and realize mm-hmm. like, wow, it takes like a good couple hours simmering on the stove to yeah. make a bean that doesn't break apart. You know, you can boil the crap out of it and it breaks apart into a million pieces, but I like to have everything perfect. Like you open a can and it's kind of perfect mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, know, you rinse off the, the, Water, uh, and they're they're good. they're perfect. so how do I, how do I replicate that? And that's what I practice every week doing different stews, different this. But to make myself a better cook and to cook more healthier, I definitely one you know tip number one, have things where you see them and you'll be likely to use them,
0: yeah, yeah, I like that. You had an Instagram post a couple of days ago. Where you showed your cabinet, which is exactly yeah, yeah. And it was all the glass jars and the spices and the beans and everything. It was really it was really visually sexy.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and it looks good. I mean, what doesn't look good about having drag greens, beans, or you know, greens and beans and greens. (laughs)
0: Sorry. In, In in here, under mindset, you one of the things that you and Chad talk about is uh getting organized. Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, me, so I'm a very clean, you know, and Chad would, I would tell Chad, Chad's not as clean and organized as myself, (laughs) unless he's doing demos. Have you ever seen us do demos? Anyways, I'll go back to that. (laughs) I like to have everything clean. So in my workstation, I grew up as a caterer mainly, you know, I had restaurants, but I did a lot of catering and that means going into other people's houses. And so for me, I had to be like army grade clean. And organize everywhere because one, you don't want to look like you're unprofessional. You want to look like you have your shit together. You want to look like that. But for me, it's more of my mind with everything organized around me. My mind is organized (laughs) and I can think clearer rather than being messy, messy. You know, I see a lot of chefs that are just messy all over the place and it drives me insane to Mm. the point where if you ask anybody that worked with me before like retail, uh, I was always a stickler about having your folded towel next to your clean cutting board and your knife on the side to be at the ready. Uh, and that, I still live that way. One of Derek's pet peeves. Yeah, it's one of my pet peeves, but it's organization, right? Yeah. And I, I also hand wash all of my dishes. I don't use the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. I hand wash everything because I believe it's, there's no one job in a kitchen that's above another. Yeah. And, I, I, and my some people think it's a joke, but I aspire to be a dishwasher again one of these days or just to be a prep cook and peeling carrots because that is like gives you that one focus. You can just do it the best. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. I remember you, Chad, and I, we were, we were uh, touring some Whole food somewhere and we had a little break and we went <laughs> into a knife shop. And that you so you could test out the knives, and they had like maybe a, a potato or a bell pepper or a carrot there. And this person, you went to town on this thing, and this guy was like, "Oh my, I've never seen anybody use wield a knife like that." I mean, if, your skills are crazy, crazy. I mean, how what? How does somebody get that good? It's just is it just repetition? Is it practice?
1: It's repetition
0: and practice. Yeah.
1: So I all my like <laughs> before I even. Had the restaurants, or own restaurants. You know, I worked at a, I worked at this place called the Schwindy hut in Waterville Valley up in New Hampshire. And all we did was make soups and sandwiches. So I was making onion soup almost every other day. And we were cutting 50 bags of onions almost in a day. So it got to the point where me and the one other guy were blindfolding each other, yeah. having all the onions laid out in front and just, you'd go through, you know, and you practice how to hold the knife correctly. Wow.
0: What's the best way? What is the best way to cut an onion?
1: Uh, to cut an onion, I mean to to describe it as to have an onion, cut it yeah. in half. yeah, and
0: then
1: I, then I peel it, yeah, and then I cut the two ends off, yeah, and then I just dice it uh, slice it so there's only a little bit left and you're almost julienning in it, yeah, yeah, turn it it and then as you slice down, some people do this other incision in the middle,
0: I think it's a waste of time right um, I. Agree. I- a waste of time. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. what, what about, um, you know, I, I have, I've heard so many people say, uh, my mother in particular, that everything starts with an onion. Would you agree with that? Ter- with that? Everything starts with an onion?
1: Yeah. It's not a bad thing to say. Yeah. And most <laughs> things do. Yeah. Yeah. So all these people who say, I don't like onion. Well, don't start with an onion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, exactly. Let's talk about, let's talk about flavor like flavor boosters and how you enhance flavor if you're not going to use, you know, a lot of copious amounts of salt, sugar, oil, and stuff like that, like browning your food, um, roasting vegetables, scorching vegetables. You you had a post the other day where you're like, you scorched the asparagus tips and you did something. And your, 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 your terms for it, scorching, braising, uh, roasting. I love it all.
1: So it's, and I, I'll do this whether it's no oil or not. Yeah. I eat every vegetable as it's the hero in the dish, even if it's a part of a dish. So if you look back and, and I'll try to post something, you know, according with this, when, yeah. when you release this, right? But if you look back, you'll notice all these veg boards. So I have these pans that are just nicely laid out with veggies. A lot of them on the Instagram, I post a lot of that stuff. So that's how I cook. I'll cook each, I use cast iron pans a lot because you don't need oil to cook with them yeah i need oil to preserve
0: it and i wipe it out but you don't need a lot of added oil. so can, can i can i i just want to dive into some stuff as you're saying it and remember where you were going with that yeah. but do you prefer cast iron pans to just about anything else like yeah, is that something you recommend people get and is there a brand you like
1: uh, I use lodge because it's the most well-known, but there are some really cool, smaller ones, smaller, okay. uh, business ones, but lodge is really well-known. And I, I mean, I have the whole set here. I've had it in, in, uh, us when I was there too. Yeah. All different sizes. Plus it lends well to the mushroom. Ooh!
0: We're going to talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, so each, so just going back to how I make the veg, I just will treat each one. So when I say scorch, uh, green onions or scallions, right? In America, I would just have that pan super hot, lay the either dice, some dice onion, uh, the green onion, like an inch thick or even smaller or leave it whole. And then I just lay it on that pan and sometimes I'll press it. If I want the even sear, that sear is flavor to me. It's the browning of it. It's the, it's the crisping of it. It's a, yeah, it's just, it tastes delicious. You know, it, it gives you that grilled outdoorsy flavor, you know, that more adventurous. And so each vegetable in a, I would do differently. So then the asparagus, I would either add to the pan and then just puts a little bit, a spoonful of water on it, cover it for a second. And then you get that steam. So it steams and it slightly roasts the outside. So it crisps mm-hmm. it up, but it's nice. It's done. Perfect. The color pops. Yeah. It's all visual. Right. I want it all to be like super vibrant and colorful and the veggies just, just cooked perfectly. Meaning like there's not too much of a bite, but it's not, it's not like chewy. It's not like, uh, you know, broke. It won't break apart easy. Yeah. You know, so like cauliflower, pate- I think I cooked, um, what did I just make the other day? I made this like a, um, you know, you ever have corned beef and hash? Not in a long time. <laughs> oh, no, I know, but you know what I'm talking about. So, like, they grind it with they grind the meat with the potato, and they put it out. It's, it's disgusting to me, but yeah. I made a version of it, a vegan version. I used a little bit of Beyond Meat in it, and I used a lot of potato and just boil the potato quickly, uh, just enough so the exterior is mm-hmm. soft, and then I strain off the water, let it dry a minute, put a cover on a a bowl. Mm-hmm. And then I just toss the spices like really hard. You toss the spices and it really integrates with the potato Mm. and then lay them on a sheet pan and roast them. Delicious. Mm. Mm. I think one of the biggest things I learned when I was cooking with no oil or sugar or salt was to up the herbs. Mm -hmm. People don't use enough. Like I might put in a recipe, you know, if you're doing exact recipe for an exact thing, that's fine. But I always use more. Even if I'm looking at somebody else's recipe,
0: I'll you add more. Well, so so speaking of that, if I'm if I'm just getting started in this lifestyle, and uh, and I'm listening to to this podcast right now, um, what herbs and spices do you recommend are in everybody's you know spice cabinet?
1: Yeah, I have a handful that I always always use. I will always use smoked paprika, uh, onion granulars, and garlic granulated. So granulated onion and granulated garlic. It doesn't burn like powdered Uh, and you can regulate them better. So I'm a big touchy feely kind of person. So like I use uh, black pepper in a bowl, you know, if any salt I add, I'm adding with my fingers. So I always know, I don't trust teaspoons, stuff slips off. Uh, I don't like the tiny iodized salt either, the tiny, tiny, it's just too much, you know, that's meant for a salt shaker but most chefs will use the flake sea salt if you use any salt at all. And only on the top of a dish after, yeah. afterwards, you know, as finishing, I believe you can really cook a lot of really delicious food without adding salt to the cooking process, but add it at the end. Yeah. Because then you have control of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and you get the pop, you get the pop at the end. Yeah, Cause it's right exactly. in the, on your tongue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so granular onion, granulated smoke garlic. smoke
0: paprika, smoke paprika,
1: Onion, yeah. garlic. Onion, garlic. Uh, and then I have, I made up my own seasoning with Wicked. So we have a sage.
0: Oh, oh.
1: So I I like sage and thyme too. But sometimes if you notice dried dried herbs, they're okay. But I really prefer fresh. If you can use fresh, it takes a little bit of time to pick the thyme off the leaves. But the taste
0: is so much better than a dried one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. And fresh garlic. Always. Okay. So let me, let me, I, I, I'm going to, I want you to talk about building flavor with some key techniques. I'm going to tell you the technique and then you tell me how to do it. Okay. I want our listener to know how to do this. So the first one is brown your food. What does that mean? And how do I do it?
1: Brown your food. So sear your food. Uh, or, so it would be high heat. And so one is either, I have the cast iron pan and I have that either cranked up, wicked hot, high heat. Yeah. So get that hot. So when you put a veggie down on it, it's not going to stick. The biggest mistake I see novice cooks doing is they throw all the vegetables in a pan, put the pan on the stove, and then turn the heat on. Yeah. And then everything sticks and it burns because it's heating up to the with the pan. Mm, now, mm. If you create that hot pan. This is where my my weird mind starts to think, right? Because <laughs> I, I think about all the density of vegetables. I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine who was watching me cook. He's like, how do you know? How do you know? I'm like...
0: You almost have to be the vegetable. It sounds stupid. And it sounds <laughs> crazy. Well, I read some. I read something that you said just the other day where I'm constantly pushing the boundaries. Become the vegetable. That's pushing the boundaries pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just, if you really do think about the density and how much water is in a potato and the yeah. density of it. Like you know, you not, you try it raw. It's not good raw. You're gonna cook that out, right? So it's like there's several ways to do it of any vegetable. So it's like, be, and it's just so crazy for me to say this, but be the vegetable. So if you're thinking, I like it. Farragus takes one minute to cook on a hot pan with a little mm-hmm. bit of water, like literally one minute, whereas compared to a potato might take 15 to 20 minutes and you could do multiple methods where you could boil it, strain it, roast it. You could just do it in a pan. It just depends on what you want to do and how you want to build that flavor and what dish you're making. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's good to play and experiment with all, it's just food. Yeah. It's so upset about it. You know, it's like, Hey, it's just food. You know, it's not, you can, you can get it again. It's not that expensive. And you know, I'm not, I'm not putting down like who, if you have the, the means to do it, play and practice. Yeah. Everything. Cook cauliflower five days a week. 5 days of one week you know and do it a different way and learn how that vegetable reacts to different methods that you do and you'll really understand how to start putting more and more better dishes
0: together. Well speaking of cauliflower I mean one of my favorite ways of doing cauliflower now is roasting it. Yeah, right? it's amazing, right? Roasting it like 425 for what 25 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um That's, but what a, do you yeah. just pop it in the oven? No, I don't. I mean I cut it I I usually slice it. I usually will, you know, put some uh uh, a little bit of Bragg's liquid aminos, a little bit of nutritional yeast on it and throw it in there. Yeah.
1: So how I, <laughs>
0: what,
1: do, what do you, what do you recommend? A different way to do it, right? Even if you do a whole one or, a, or cut it, like you said, poach it first in boiling water. Oh yeah. Okay. And then pull it out, let it sit dry a little bit. Because what I find, if you just throw it in and you do, you put your coatings on it yeah. and you just throw it, it just gets dry. Yeah. Whereas I want it soft and succulent, you know, to carve through. So I want that. So either poach it first. Yeah. uh, And you don't want to overcook it. Like you're just blanching it. So I want to blanch it. Either you can start it off in cold water or you can do it or add it to boiling water. But if you start it in cold water, as soon as it comes to a boil, shut it off, take it out. Again, and then season it and then pop it in the oven and roast it it's a it's another five ten minutes
0: i love it well what's interesting is that i haven't i can't remember the last time i actually got a fresh cauliflower and did it i now always just use frozen cauliflower
1: yeah, there you go
0: and it's already yes already technically probably been blanched right maybe Yeah, true yeah true. but you
1: can't do a whole one if you want to do like the mega whole head roast you know, yeah these guys are doing i do take a big pot of water and i'll do that exact thing and it comes out amazing because you coat it with almond butter and your satay sauce, you know? And
0: Yeah. Yeah. But like to me, another, another vegetable, I love roasting and it totally transforms that is Brussels sprouts.
1: Brussels are really good.
0: Shave them. Have you shaved, shaved and shaved? No, no. You come on, help me out here. Help me out. So so I would take the
1: stems off of Brussels sprouts and then just either grate them on a grater, or if you have a mandolin, shave them. Or yeah. really practice your knife skills and yeah. thinly slice them and then toss them so they're all broken apart. But then in a, on a hot skillet, a little bit of lemon juice mixed with a touch of agave or something, uh, yeah. just just to give it that pop. And a little bit of pepper and a little bit of, you know, a granulated onion and garlic, a touch of salt afterwards, and you're
0: good to go. Woo, I like it. I like it. Any, any other vegetable that you... Uh want to give us a little tip on we got cauliflower we got brussels sprouts what else mushrooms green beans Ooh. green beans i love them because they you know nowadays i
1: can buy them in these perfect packages with the tops clips so i don't have to snip every yep. bean anymore yeah which for me the, the little menial you know yeah
0: but you know it's just No, it's It is. It is. It's a very menial activity it is <laughs> to
1: pick if i have time amazing i'll do it yeah um, but I always will either toss them uh, in spices and a little bit of um, orange juice or whatnot, and you can roast them like that. Uh-huh. Um, but I also the, yeah, just boil them water, drop the green beans in, blanch them, and then toss them
0: with your spices and herbs, and then roast them. I'm, all, I'm when you say roast them, we're, we're talking about throwing them in the oven, then. The right? oven, yeah, yeah. So well, what what temp?
1: Uh, so I always I always tend to cook on in America it's 400 degrees in the UK it's 200 okay Celsius uh, and I'm learning these Celsius Fahrenheit. you know yeah, (laughs) it's so different so I'm all about high heat because that heat imagine you're going in that oven and it's so hot (laughs) cooking on the outside it's my crazy head Um, become the green bean (laughs) yeah yeah. it cooks (laughs) it on the outside and and then it's still oh good in the middle no I don't I don't like I like hot temperatures for shorter amount of times rather than lower temperatures for long amount of times. Yeah, because I want that crispy burnt not burnt but uh, that browning of the veg on the outside, but I still want it edible on the inside. Yeah, if you know. Uh,
0: what. what about toasting um, nuts and seeds and spices? Yeah, uh, that's always a good one. I believe Chad talked about that with you guys, right? So yeah. He,
1: He's big on on toast and spices and then using a pestle and mortar. I mean, if you have the time, that really does help, you know, to do the cumin seeds, fennel seeds, this or that in a pestle and mortar, toast them first, quick pestle and mortar, toss them with some fresh veggies, pop them in the
0: oven. Amazing. Yep. Yep. You may, um, um, a lot of people are looking for like a cream sauce, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on a, on a, can you give us a cream sauce that we can, it's a go-to for like potatoes or rice or something like that? Look, my best cream sauce
1: is using cauliflower. You can use, so here's where my head goes. If you're thinking cream sauce, sorry, what color do you want it to be? White? If you want it white. Uh, I'm thinking white. I am thinking white. Yeah. Want it to look like a cheesy sauce? I get, you know, you have, you can make cream sauce out of potatoes, cauliflower, parsnips, any white vegetable. So cauliflower is really good for me. And sometimes I use potato and cauliflower, but mostly cauliflower. So I take half a head of cauliflower, yeah. about five cloves of garlic yeah. and a bay leaf. And I boil that in a separate pot until it's like super soft and breaking apart. I'll yeah. strain off half of the water, but then I'll put the, uh, in a Vitamix or a really high speed blender, add your cauliflower, the garlic, whatever in there, take the bay leaf out. Add a little bit of that water because the water's flavor. It's just got all the flavor in it, you know, and I'll save that and set it aside. But then I'll add a little bit of oat milk. And you can do it. So just start blending. You'll see how thick it is. And then you can add a little bit of the milk, uh, the oat milk or soy milk, whatever you want, unsweetened. And that makes an amazing base for your cream sauce. So from that, I use... You can add nutritional yeast to make it cheesy. I can add cracked back black pepper and do a peppercorn sauce. I can add mustard and do a mustard cream. Ooh. I add horseradish and mustard and you have this amazing mustard horseradish cream sauce. It's so versatile. We have, I think I have a lot of recipes up on, you know, we have them on our site or on the YouTube using these exact methods of making this What's, stuff. What,
0: and what is your site?
1: Uh, so it's wicked Okay, Okay. Uh, Our YouTube site is Wicked Foods YouTube. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you ever do you ever do would you ever add like um, some cashews or walnuts to there? Or you are you? So you can. So it depends on what you want to do with it. So what I've
1: discovered and you don't need any oil for these sauces, even naturally. I don't use them anyways, you know, Um, you can if you add nuts, it's going to thicken up when it chills so imagine a nut and the density. Imagine the density of a nut. Yeah, <laughs> like cauliflower and nut. Think of them. Look at them both together. A nut, is super dense, right? It's super dense. There's no water in it. Cauliflower, much water, much more water, a lot more fiber in it. Yeah. You know, and it's not so dense. Not so dense. It's so funny that I'm having this conversation out loud, and it's just in my head. But if you add nuts to it, and yes, you can make an amazing sauce, and it's thick and it's really rich. But it, it, as it sits, it really gets thick. And if you mix that with your pasta, yeah, it gets too thick and dry. So I don't add the nuts to it. I'll add some. Sometimes I will, but I won't a lot. I'll, I have to add a lot more
0: liquid. Yeah. It's. Um, what about a gravy? Do you have a go-to gravy that you can recommend for people?
1: Yeah, go-to gravy. So what I would do is take the same ingredients that I just told you: cauliflower, garlic. Yeah right? Except instead of boiling them, I might add them to a roasting pan because I want that caramelization. I might take onions separately, caramelize the onions in the cast iron pan with, you know, yep. and just that's that. So that's adding it to a hot, you have to add a lot of onions. So when I caramelize onions, it's not just a few onions on a pan because then you're going to burn them. You need to add like, if you have a cast iron pan, I would add at least two or three julienne onions. So it's like it yep. looks like a good pile of onions. Yeah, that will slowly cook down on a medium-high heat. That will slowly cook down. If you need to add a little bit of broth, use a little bit of broth, um, but you shouldn't have to because the natural juices and water from the onions will start to come out and really brown up. And so then I use that, and add that to the cauliflower, add sage, a little bit of fresh thyme, and then you blend that for the color. There's a browning liquid seasoning that you can buy. Yeah. And you only need like a half of a cat full. Do not go crazy with that stuff because it will turn it black. Um, but that gives you that color and that aliveness. I also do this with mushrooms. I think I have a really good mushroom one where I shred mushrooms so it looks like your traditional turkey gravy. Yeah. Um, with the shredded mushroom in it.
0: So speaking of mushrooms, I have a couple, I let, <clears throat> I let the Plant Strong community know that I was going to be talking to you today, oh, okay. so I got a, I got a couple of questions from some of the community members. Yep. So th- this first one, speaking of mushrooms, it's perfect. This is from Amy, um, and I'm going to read this to you. Your pressed mushroom steaks are amazing. <laughs> can you can you explain how someone who follows a whole food, plant based, no oil way of eating can make amazing mushrooms without adding any oil? Signed. An oil-free mushroom mafia member, complete and total fangirl. (laughs) Amazing! (laughs) Thank you, Amy. Thank
1: you so much. Look, I actually did a video where we compare. So on YouTube, I'll have to send it to you after this. Yeah. So I did a video where I compared them both. I did one with oil and one with no oil because I knew this question was going to come up from the audience. Yeah. So a lot of people like. A lot of people give me shit because I use oil in a lot of cooking, uh-huh. but I, I also use, I do just as much no oil cooking, but it's just, it's interest it's interesting how, you know, I want people to just stop eating animals. I'm right. not trying, I'm, you know, you, you do, you're doing amazing what you do, but my mission is just to get people to stop eating animals. I yeah. don't do it for the health reasons as, you know, yes, it's healthier, but that's yeah. the reason why we, so I cook a broad range of things. I show a really good video, which I think you'll like a lot, because I show no oil to oil, and the difference is length of time cooking, and you have to pay attention a lot more when you're not using oil, because it's more likely to burn. Yeah. Uh, because it's there's nothing preventing that pan, you know. There's nothing preventing it from burnt from stick from stopping it from sticking, and yeah, that's yeah, all. yeah. But it's totally doable it just takes a little bit more time and a little bit more thought but it's totally doable
0: so what's 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 your mushroom of choice right now if you're making mushroom steaks do you like the lion's mane or what do you what do uh, you think well if you so
1: my mushroom best mushroom of choice would be lion's mane but it's the hardest one to come by but if you can come by them they make amazing steaks and very much similar to like uh, pork cutlets or yeah. you know, just to name an animal how I f- remember it would be the familiar so that it's an amazing steak plus the benefits of lion's mane mushroom are just amazing you know it's one of the only mushrooms I think that's helpful for memory loss or Mm. dementia and all that fun stuff Um, so that's a good mushroom for that and it's super delicious super juicy like it's amazing Um, We have that recipe in the book. I think I do a liver and onions recipe in the cookbook, in the Wicked Health cookbook. And then my second best would be the king oyster mushrooms. I do love maitakes, but I can't find maitakes here as much as I can do, sorry, the brown oyster. So it's either brown oyster or gray oyster, which are more easily found in America and here in the UK and elsewhere. What about the chanterelle? Chanterelles are great, but they're not for steaks. No. Those are single mushrooms. So, so if you're looking at like shiitake, uh, chanterelles, amazing mushrooms, but they're not going to make you this um, show-stopping
0: steak that you showed in the book. The picture, (laughs) right? Well, and the show-stopping steaks, mushroom steaks that you made at the Game Changers red carpet.
1: That's right. That's where I saw you last.
0: Red carpet premiere. Uh, I think that was 2019. You, you, you flew over just to, to cook for that event.
1: That that was fun. That was, that's right. That's where I saw you last.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Here's another one. Okay. You ready? This is from chef Kirk. I'm the executive chef at a kitchen that works with inmates at a healthcare facility. We prepare about, we prepare about 1200 meals per day. I am rewriting my current four week cyclical menu as much as I would love to go all plant-based, I would also like to lower the chance of meeting the pointy end of a Shiv. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I am cool. going to I am going to go more on a meatless Monday scenario. I have breakfast covered. I'm looking for lunch and dinner options. Suggestions, Derek, on dishes that could be ramped up.
1: Yeah, dishes. Let me see. I mean, if I was in your position, if you have a if you have any way to make wraps or burritos or enchiladas mm-hmm. that i think would go over super well you know if you remember remember my talks rip when i first learned how to go uh how to go plant strong and i was only eating salads i'm like oh i can't live on salads i i eat them like 3 or 4 days and i got so mad but what did i do i put it all into a wrap and all of a sudden it was this brand new <laughs> meal and i felt like a man again like i'm like eating this <laughs> huge wrap yeah so, <laughs> If you put anything into a burrito or in like an enchilada and you make that cream sauce, like we mm-hmm. just talked about with the cauliflower, uh, and we have plenty of recipes for that for ideas or tips, and it's easy enough to make, and you just roast off, you know, the whole tray of enchiladas or burritos, whatever you want to do, cut them yeah. in half, or you can wrap the burritos individually. You know, he's a chef. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. But that's but, what I would probably go with. Mexican's really good to yeah. do. Yeah. You know, can you what about,
0: I, I, I find that, you know, and I always tell people this, you know, the, the way I got a bunch of Texas male firefighters to do this was to take dishes they yeah. love and plant them. So, like, yeah. you, can, you, and I know you guys make an amazing mac, mac and cash, macaroni and cheese, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. that yeah. these inmates would just adore. Same thing with, like, a, um, uh, what is it, uh, a shepherd's pie, right? Yeah. Exactly. With lentils I, yeah. and the mashed potatoes. And, yeah, you can do amazing things. You totally can. There's so
1: many different things you can do, especially if you're serving it hot right there. And then, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's great.
0: All right. Uh, got a couple more. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. All right. This is from Debbie. Um, well, I feel like we already did this, but I am terrible with using herbs and spices. My food is bland and I have a I am tone deaf when it comes to seasoning. How do I use them?
1: Yeah, I mean, use them.
0: it's my biggest
1: like sometimes the answer is right in front of you where it's like just use them experiment with different ones like we so what we created a whole line of wicked kitchen spices here where i have like these mango masala blends so it's an indian blend with like turmeric and mango powder and super delicious super flavorful but try new items like once every time you go shopping every other time grab a new spice mix and just play with it and see yep. what it is. Like, one of the reasons why I wanted to do a spice line is because if you go into the stores, there's pork seasoning, steak seasoning, this or that, most of them are vegan. They just have the stupid animal name. No, not animals are stupid, but they have that stupid name on it. Yeah. So yeah. people won't likely pick it up, but I want those flavors to come through. So, another way to do it is to take nutritional yeast. We've also developed like the first season uh, nutritional yeast seasoning. Yeah. So I have a barbecue nooch a ranch nooch, and a garlic and herb nooch. Stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) You want to take that, take at home. You know, if you look at sprinkling on popcorn, yes, pizza, yes, but try cooking with it. Mm. Take nutritional yeast, like, let me see, a ratio of three tablespoons of nutritional yeast and do one teaspoon of granulated onion, another teaspoon of granulated garlic, and do another teaspoon of smoked paprika. Yeah, yeah. And that... Just use that and try cooking vegetables with that. That mm. will boost flavor a mm. lot. Mm. And then, if you bump up the nutritional yeast, you can also use that to make broth. So it's really good to make like a smoky. That's how I make all these ramens now. Mm. So all the ramens you might see, like I think, yeah, you saw what I just posted. That was made with the barbecue nooch. So it's a barbecue season nutritional yeast. Wow. Makes amazing broth. You just have to test how strong and you want it, you know, in the water.
0: So somebody who was like, they they would love to get your cookbook, but yeah, they yeah. just want to know how easy is it to make uh, the recipes that have oil oil free? Can, can you just leave uh, it sorry, out? We
1: do, yeah, we do have some that are oil free already. Some look, some things are not the they not they don't come up the same way if you just exclude the oil. You have to balance it out. This is one thing that I learned. Even you know, developing products to make them to add more vegetables to something doesn't mean just adding more vegetables, you really have to balance everything out. So it all comes out. Well, I don't know off the top of my head in the book, what is, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can be easily done. Some things, some things are not as easy.
0: Can I I tell you? (laughs) So I love the humor in this book. So for example, (laughs) you have like three or four pages on the equipment must have equipment in the kitchen, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it says tweezers, and I'm like, oh, tweezers? Why, why do you need tweezers? And then it says, in case you get the urge to pluck an eyebrow, something like
1: that. <laughs> exactly. Was that Same your way. humor? Was that? Yeah, your yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of course, you know, it's all this fancy food. You know, uh, <laughs> look, I, I'm, I'm for all kinds of food, but the fancy, fancy food, I'm just—it's not something you do at home. So why bother? Mm. Like a lot of chefs out there. I, I want to create food that's mainstream and like delicious. I don't need to be a niche, yeah. fancy food, $200 plates, you know? <laughs> I mean, I want to eat.
0: Yeah. It's nighttime there, I think almost. You're seven hours ahead. So it's like 11 here. So it means it's like, what, six o'clock there?
1: Yeah, five o'clock.
0: Five o'clock. Can you like let us know what you have for breakfast and lunch today?
1: Honestly, today is Wednesday, so it's a big day for samples. Uh, so I go into the office and I pick up as much samples as I can to bring them home because I've been working from home lately. So I have 32 different products to try. Oh, my gosh. That are going into either Plant Chef or Wicked Kitchen. So I wow. didn't have a
0: lunch other than sampling food today. Yeah. Well, what 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 is your favorite if you had a favorite like go to breakfast would it be steel cut oats oatmeal um, yeah
1: pizza? i love i love that that would be more of a weekend thing for me i you know honestly rip i don't eat a lot of breakfast sometimes i drink coffee yeah I like my, my coffee and that's i i'll get up in the morning i do my sit i read from 5am to 9am is my time yeah. just for me so I tend to don't, I don't eat a lot. I'll eat fruit. I'll eat uh, bananas or bananas. Um, and I'll feed my dog bananas because she loves them. Oh, that's and wild. That's it. Sometimes I'll eat some of the new Oatly yogurt, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't eat a lot of breakfasts.
0: Is there a food or a vegetable or a grain that you're just like, totally gaga goo goo over right now? Like, you know, you have been for mushrooms for a while.
1: Yeah. I, agree. I mean, as far as mushrooms, always I'm a, Every single veg, so it what you have in the U.S. compared to what I have here is slightly different because you know, being by Whole Foods in the U.S. is like so many different varieties of veg here, it seems like it's the same thing all the time. You get broccoli, green beans, cauliflower, yeah, um, peas. I use a lot of peas, I do love peas, frozen or fresh, doesn't matter, huh? uh, blended or whole I add them to practically everything I always have frozen peas everywhere and I'll add them to so many things even to rice like when rice is almost finished cooking I'll add a bag of frozen peas to it and finish it off stirred and it it's just a great way to add extra veg to you
0: to your meal you know who who is is there anybody any chef or any person that's really inspired you or inspires you
1: everybody who's cooking vegan inspires me um, lots of vegan chefs
0: out there that are doing that, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you I just, yeah. Is there somebody in your life that, that, uh, that uh, is your
1: hero? Uh, my teachers would be from the monastery, uh-huh. you know, and that, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer those questions. It's really funny because a lot of people, I just, yeah. I'm so... Everything about what I do is still very much rooted in my practice and what I, my belief, mm-hmm. um, just being more compassionate. So I really, you know, I don't talk about it a lot with other people. I'm I'm much more face food facing, mm-hmm. but everything behind the face is what I study, and the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here if I if I didn't go to there and yeah. learn. Awesome, if that makes sense. Hey,
0: uh, animals are my hero. <laughs> they, they are, they, they are. are. Hey, Derek, it it has been just an absolute joy for me to connect with you again, and I really appreciate you sharing your part of your evening with the Plant Strong uh, podcast listeners. This has been a uh, a real gift. Thank you.
1: It's great seeing you. Really, I do. I miss you a lot, man. I love you. You know, like your <laughs> brother. It was so fun hanging out when we worked together. Yeah. I look forward to the. So the day we can uh, actually hang out in person again
0: oh yeah oh yeah hey i wish you all the best um w- you know way to continue to you know literally change the way grocery so, yeah. stores yeah, well yeah i mean it's, it's crazy i mean you, you you have single-handedly you're changing the landscape and uh for the better and it's all because of your practice and your compassion and your and your passion for all things you know plant-based you're a trailblazer dude
1: Thanks, buddy. We're coming to
0: America, you know. Wicked will be there soon. I know. It's going to be wild. <laughs> I, know. I know. So that, uh, it'll get me over there to see you sooner. <laughs> Good. Hey, will you uh, sign off with me? Peace. Repeat after me. Peace. Engine two. Engine 2 Keep your plant strong. Plant strong, brother. My man, Derek Sarnow, is literally changing the plant-based retail landscape across the globe proving that having compassion, 80% healthy, 20% wicked, and 100% sexy can definitely go a long, long way. Again, for more information on today's episode, visit the episode page at planstrongpodcast.com. Next week, you'll want to be sure to tune in for our 4th of July holiday weekend. With former USA Olympian track cyclist and plant strong powerhouse and star of the game changers documentary, Dotsie Bosch. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, leaving us a positive review and Sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true? I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story, and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kortowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn, Jr., and Anne Kyle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.